You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. As we see, we're starting the learning. Amar Shmuel Bar Rabbi Yisif. Now, yesterday, what was what, what was the whole sugya of yesterday? The sugya of yesterday was to understand Sivas Habeged Shekipua, right? What was that talking about? What was the case of Sivas Habeged Shekipua? We know it's a machlokas or belezen or biyakiva whether you can use it for hatalokas neiros, but there's also a machlokas whether it's tohar or tamei. Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanis said that it was tamei. Rabbi Akiva said it was tohar. So we said it was talking about. We saw a couple of answers. Uh, we saw we saw Arabarava, and we saw Rava, I believe. But we saw when we brought in Adabaraba, we brought in the sugya of Mukta. And the question was that according to the reason why you're not going to be Madlik with the Psiva, with the Beged, is because what's going to happen is that it's a, it's a Kaili, it's not a broken Kaili. And then when you start, uh, when you start, you, when you, when you burn it, so, uh, you're being, it's, it's muktzu, you can't use a shever keli, which is really Rabbi Yosef's, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Khan's question. Let's see it. Am Rabbi Shmuel Bar Khan, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, the Yom Masik and Bikkelim, and Masik and Bikkelim. You're telling me that Akiva and Eliezer were arguing. They both agree with Yehuda. They both are against the use of muktzu. They both say that an item that becomes broken on Shabbos, Broken on Yontif in this case, because we're talking about throwing it into the fire on Yontif. That an item that becomes broken on Yontif is Muktza, because you didn't expect it to happen, and therefore you can't use it. But what are you doing here? We're talking about lighting Friday evening, which is a Yontif. Friday is a Yontif, and it's going into Shabbos. You're lighting on Friday afternoon. That's the case, everybody. Now, when he lights it, even according, even if you want to say, that it was a, uh, you want to say, according to Rabbi Akiva, that, well, uh, so according to Rabbi Eliezer, uh, you want to say that, what is it? That uh, it, it's, it's uh, Rabbi Eliezer holds that it's a keli, you can't use it. But even if you hold Lechora, Kiva de Idlik Muporta, Havu Shivrei Kalim. So as soon as you light it, it starts to what? It starts to break apart. Okay. And then what happens? It's called Shiver Kaili. So even if you're going to say it is a complete, even if you want to say that, even if you want to say that you could throw a Kaili in, but you can't throw a Shiver Kaili in. But when you throw a Kaili in into the oven on a regular Yontif, the Kaili starts to burn. I was confusing things before. It's not so much connected to our Mishnah. In general, according to Rabbi Yehuda, we know you can throw the chair into the stove in order to be able to uh, get the to get your oven working for for heat or cooking on Yontif. But Lachora, when you throw the chair in, you throw the wooden chair in, whatever it is, which you're allowed to do, we're saying. But as soon as it starts to burn and break apart, then it becomes a shever keli. 
And as a shever, Kaylee, we know, what are you going to do? You're not just going to let it sit there. You're going to go and push it and move it. That's what people do. When you're going to move it around, it's muktzah. Because even according, even if even though it started out being okay to throw in, but once it starts to become decrepit, once it starts to deteriorate, once any of it starts to break, then it becomes muksa. And if it's muksa, how could you be moving it around? So Mar says, Rav Masna. You'll do like Rav Masna said in a similar case. Remember, I said before that if lightning on Friday, I said if lightning would hit the tree, if lightning hits the tree then that, and it gives you firewood, that firewood is muksan yontif. But let's say the following happens. The, the lightning hits the tree or the tree breaks. And you know what happens? It goes straight into your oven. You have an, an oven, which is right by the window. The tree breaks and the, the, the particles from the tree, the pieces of the tree fall into your oven. So let's take a look. What does Masna say in that case? The Umar of Masna Amarav, that if firewood falls from the date tree right into your oven on Yontif, what are you supposed to do? That's muksa material. But there's an masikon. You know, you probably have other good wood. You probably have some other good wood, but this is maybe even better. What you do is you... You create a situation where you have now a whole, a rove. In other words, you use rove. Rove of what you have there was ready before Yontif. Now you have this new visitors, these new things that are coming in that are muksa. You have a right to create a pile of completely non-muksa things because rove of what you have here isn't muksa. Mar muchanim umasikon. You're allowed to do that. Now it's interesting because usually we say you're not allowed to be mavatel in Israel Usually you're not supposed to do that. But over here we do allow what Rav Masna says because Lamaisa, you didn't actually put the Isser in. The Isser fell in on its own. And it's true into the oven. So we allow you to take some of the heter material and throw it on top of that. And altogether what you have now is a complete pile and you, you treat the whole pile as if it's considered non-muksa, and that's what you're going to do in the case of uh, 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 of, of throwing the, the chair in. When you throw the chair in, make sure that you pile on top of it wood that was already not muksa from before, and that would be fine. Now, now comes something hard. <laughs> Rav Hamnuna. Rav Amnuna is talking about the Machlokas Eliezer and Akiva. Remember what the Mishnah said. The Mishnah in Shabbat told us, this was the Mishnah Bamemad Likin. We all say it, right? And I remember what I said the other day. I said, you're, not, you're never going to look at this Mishnah the same way. So let's read again the Mishnah, right? Let's read again what the Mishnah had said. Okay? So... Getting the Mishnah out from the, from, right? right. So what do we say the Mishnah? He says, uh, okay, here's the Mishnah again. You ready? <laughs> Here it is again. Psilas ha-beged, pilat ha-beged shikifla v'lo hivhavla. Rabbi Yezra mer t'mei ve'en madlikin bo, 
Rabbi Akiva Oimer Tahoiro Umadrikenba. What is the Pshad in this Mishnah? Rabbi Muna says, I've got another Pshad. First of all, I want to say, like my friend Rova, when it comes to why you're not using it on Shabbat, it's because Eliezer feels. Rabbi, could you translate the Mishnah? Yeah, I'm going to translate it again. Okay. So let me let me translate it. Um, when you have a wick that has been constructed from an item that seems to be a piece of clothing that you folded and you did not scorch, you did not singe it, Rabbi Eliezer says that in my mind, that first of all, in terms of Hilchas Tuma and Tahara, it's an item that can be Makabal Tuma. Secondly, you shouldn't use it for Friday night candle lighting. And the reason is, according to Rav Nuna, not because it was on Yontif, but every Friday night you shouldn't use it because it's not going to light well, because you didn't singe it in advance. So therefore, the strip of material that you're using to be the wick is not going to work well, and we're concerned that you're going to tip the nair in order to get a better flame, which is a malocha on Shabbos. That is Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Kiva says the item is tohor, and the reason is because we're not worried about the singeing. We think it is going to actually catch the flame on it in a proper way. So the question is, what was the machlokas about Tuma? So Rav Humnuna says, the case we've been talking about is not this small little piece of material that you fold over. And the question now was, did you, did you, were you mavatalit from the shame kli? Remember, that's what we said before. According to Eliezer, according to the great Tana Eliezer, Eliezer says you have him in mavatalit from the shame kli. All you did was fold it into the shape that you could use it for a wick. Rabbi Kiva says, no, the folding that you did with this small piece of material ruined it. That's because up until now we assumed there was a small piece of material that the folding might destroy the shame cleave from it. Why? Because it was the minimum size that a begged slash cleave could be, which was three finger widths by three finger widths, the smallest it could be. Rabbi Muna says, I don't think that's what we're talking about. Ramuna says, I think we're talking about it's bigger than three finger widths, but it isn't as big as three hand breaths, as three tvachim. Why does he say that? Rashi explains, and you can see right here on the cursor. Because if this would be three by three tvachim, Nothing could be mavatot. Then, unless you rip it up, it's going to always be a cleave. And you're going to see why. Why would so? It's in between. It's bigger than three by three fingers, but it's not as big as three by three hand breaths. And what are we talking about? What did you do with it? Well, eventually, <laughs> we wanted you wanted to use it for Shabbos. 
But what did you do beforehand with it? That there's a question whether it's Tomei or Tar. Did you just fold it? So Rav Nuna says, no, you know what this case is talking about? We're talking about someone who before he decided to even use it for a wick, he's been using this shmata for something else. What has been doing with it? Let's take a look. He says, Rashi says, <laughs> He hasn't considered this piece anything significant to him. You know what he used it for? When the pipe of, the, uh, 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 of his bathhouse was not working well, he, he squidged it up, he scrunched it up to put it to the pipe. Okay. That's like, it's like, what is that? That's just like a piece of material? Don't you realize this is a piece of clothing or, or something you can put in your pocket, a handkerchief? No. <laughs> so therefore, he says, we're talking in Tumentara that the guy used it as a shemata. Do you hear what I'm saying? That he used it to put it into the pipe that the water shouldn't escape. That's all it was. That's how what he used it for. That's the machlokas, whether it's Tomei or Tahar. And where, where does, what's the frame of reference? The frame of reference goes back to the Mishnah in Kalim, Rav Nuna says. True, we have a Mishnah in Shabbos. And I don't know why Rebbe decided to, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi decided to confuse things, so to speak, and insert the ideas of Tuma here. But that was his approach. We're talking about a piece of small material. I want you to know that Rabbi Yezer and Rabbi Akiva argue about it. Where do they really argue about it? Where's the real field of battle for them? are actually more, more, most discussed this in a different place. Where? The Tanan. That's a Mishnah in Kalim. It's something which is less than three by three Tvachim. That you fixed it and say, you know what? I want to put it in that pipe. Or 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 if there's some junk that's stuck on the bottom of, of, of the plate, this is what you get it out with. Or, people in, in the time of Chazal, not even so far away from our time, would be getting their rechayim ready to grind their flour to make matzah. The problem is whenever you grind stuff, there's always a bunch of avak. There's always a bunch of, 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 of dust and stuff that, that whatever you're doing, and that could really interfere with the new material. So if anybody was a miller, whatever he was grinding, he had like a shmata ready to clean stuff up. To clean stuff up from the old. Like that shmata was something that you used to clean out the, 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 the mill. That's what this piece of material was. It was a pretty nice size, a pretty decent sized material. And, and that's what he was using it for. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Now the question is, is that material no longer able to be Tomei or not? So let's take a look. Bain minamuchan, bain she'ein minamuchan, Tomei. So, Dibri Rebeliezer. Rebeliezer says, I'm going to tell you that the use, since it was a pretty decent size, it's still going to be able to be Makabal Tuma. And that's what Rebeliezer says by us, Tomei. Who knows, he was using it for this other type of shmata like stuff. It's still a Beged. 
Rabbi Yeshua, that's the famous Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania, also the friend of Eliezer ben Urkanus, the one that was with Rabbi Gamliel, the teacher of Yekiva, Oimer, he says, he says, it's good. It's Tahar. You used it as a Shemata. It's Tahar. Okay. Rabbi Kiva says, you know what? I'm in the middle. If where it is now, it seems like you still want to use it. Then even though it was a Shemata a couple of minutes ago, I say it could be Makabal Tumanel. If it's in a situation, it's Tohar. So that's this three-way machlekas, but we need an explanation of it before we can really understand our Mishnah. The Omar Ula, What is the background here? That let's say you took this item that you used as a Shemata and Zarku Ba'ashpa. <laughs> let's say you definitely, where is it now? It's in the dump. So remember what it was. It was a decent piece of material. You used it to, to, as a shvata, and now you threw it in the dump. Everybody would say, everybody would say, even Rabbi Eliezer would say that that's tohar. Let me now go to the uh, next page. <laughs> Let's say you, you clean it out a little bit, you shake it out, you put it in your box, You're, you put it in your drawer, you put it in your using drawer, okay? <laughs> it was a shmat a couple of minutes ago, but the guy obviously wants to use it again. <laughs> so if a sheritz falls on it, whatever it is, it's tomeh. <laughs> this these giants of learning, Akiva, Eliezer, and Yehoshua, uh, Shetolu b'magod, you put it on like a you put it on like a, a, a yeted, you put it like on a peg in your house. It's hanging there. Oh, shanichol achuri adelet. It's not in the garbage. It's behind the door, right? It's behind the door. Okay. Um, yeah, says Rashi. Adif mizorkel ashpa. It's not like you threw it in the dump. Yeah, it's behind the door. Maybe it's a shtickle, a doorstop. It's over there. People who aren't who are messy know what I'm talking about, right? You have a messy room. You know, okay, there's stuff you're hanging up, and then some. Where's that stuff? Oh, yeah, it's over there behind the door. It's Akure Adelis. So that was the question. Rebel Yezer Savar, he says, I don't care. If it hasn't gone into the garbage, mamish, then you know what? It was pretty decent. Yeah, we're not going to hold what you used of it. The fact that it was mekule matronius, the fact that you used it as a shemata in the pipe or cleaning out the, the, the drain, but right now you didn't throw it away. That means we go back to what it's made out of. It's decent material and decent size. It's tome. Hmm. So why did Eliezer say, shaloy menamuch? Why did Eliezer say, menamuchon, shaloy menamuchon? <laughs> because you know why? In other words, obviously, if it's in the muchan, if it's in the drawer, of course it's tovei. But even if it's meaning if it's not in the drawer, that's not called muchan, but it's also not called thrown away. Rabbi Shua Savar, he says, I disagree. <laughs> you didn't put it in your drawer for usage. That means 
even though you didn't throw it away, remember what its history was. Remember what this thing was. It was a decent piece of material. It wasn't a, a three-by-three hand breaths, but it was pretty decent. But now you use it as a shamata. And, and, and okay, so what would you do? You, you hung it up. You know what? You didn't put it in the drawer. That, I don't know why you didn't throw it away, Rabbi Shua says. But that thing is no longer able to makabal to me, even though it's hanging up on a hook. Umay karile muchan. Why does he say that's called Muchan? Yeshua says whether it's Muchan or Eino Muchan, the Mishnah in Kalim says, it is, it is what? It is Tohar. What does it mean, Muchan? Muchan means <laughs> it's hanging on a hook. Obviously, even Yeshua would say, if you put it in a drawer, it's no, it, it would be Makabal Tumah. So what did Yeshua mean by the word Muchan? <laughs> Compared to being in the dump, that's called muhan, but it's still not good enough. So it's confusing because they have different definitions of the word muhan. Rabbi Akiva says, that was in Kalim, says, It really depends. A hook, I think that means he still wants to use it. Despite the fact it was a shmata 10 minutes ago, he put it on the hook. But, if it's behind the door, and that's what Akiva said. Akiva said, if you remember, Muchan, I'm going to say Tomei. Shalaymina Muchan Tohar. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean Muchan in the drawer, because he wouldn't have to say that. What he means, Muchan Tomei, he means when it's on the hook. Shalaymina Muchan, when it's thrown just, you know, lackadaisically, uh, behind the door, there he says, I'm going to go with Yoshua and say that it's Tohar at this point. So that was that. Now we understand the Mishnah in Caleb, the 28th parak of Caleb. <laughs> but in our Mishnah, to explain our Mishnah, you have to say, But in our Mishnah, where he just argues completely with this Beged, Remember what we were talking about again. Let's read the words again. Psilas abeged shekifla. Rabbi Eliezer, tameya. Rabbi Kiva, tahira. Okay? So we're talking about something that you used as a shmata. Rabbi, remember, Eliezer says that baby is makabal tumah. It's a keli until you throw it in the garbage. Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Kiva says a very one straight word. He says one straight word. He says that it's Tahar, which means we think that means he's in Yoshua's camp completely. How do you know that? Mimai, Amarava Mediktani Psilas Habeged. My Yeridatani Psilas Habeged. It should say Psilas Shell Beged. It should say a Psila that comes from a Beged. Why does it say that it's psilas habeged? It means it's basically a, a whole material. It's that piece of material that's not yet three by three tvachim, tadayin begedu. Which means Rabbi Kiva is basically saying, I know it's a nice size, but since you folded it and you used it before as a shmata, I'm going to tell you you didn't put it in the box. Since you didn't put it in the box, then this is something that is not makabal tumah. So we see from the way Rabbi Kiva is explained here that he has now gone over to Rabbi Yeshua Shita in Kalim. I'll show you that in the Rashi. I know it's a little complicated, but take a look. 
demashma shadayin begadukzas, v'choshev be'enov. It's not in the garbage. It's still like a begad. Afilochi kamer Rabbi Yekiva b'maslisan tahirahi, which means even though you got it on a hook, don't count. A hook's not good enough. It's tohar, even if it's on a hook. Right? And the fact that it says, Ha-beged, mashma shekopal ha-beged You took the whole, almost three by three tvachim, and you folded it. Okay. Next Mishnah. Lo yikov adam shvayferish obetza. Most people would be doing this in those days. Why? Because their candle is not able to accept enough oil. The actual physical container that has the oil and the wick in it and the flame doesn't hold enough oil to burn as long as you want. So you want to attach to it or close to it another source of oil that's going to drip into it and help the burning along. So you create this contraction before, contraption before Shabbos or Yom Tov. Now, people, what did they do? They didn't go to, to Home Depot to buy it. They would make it themselves. So what would they do? They would take out an eggshell. People had plenty of eggshells around. What would they do with it? They would take the whole eggshell and fill it with oil. They'd make a little hole in it and put oil in it and that, that oil would now drip into the, into the lamp, providing enough oil for what they want. So even though the actual physical lamp doesn't have so much oil, but right next to it is this other object, which is dripping oil into it. So let's see what the Mishnah says. Well, Yikov Adam. Yikov means to put a, a, a small hole in something. Penetration. That's what Yikov, like the word Nekeva. Yikov, Nekev. Well, Yikov Adam Shvoferes You shouldn't uh, penetrate and put a hole into the Shvoferes, into the eggshell. V'yamalenu Shemen, fill it up with oil. V'yitnena al-pianer, and put it where it's going to drip into the candle. B'shvil Shetei Minatefes. In order for it to drip and, and giving you the amount of fuel you need to burn. Don't do that. We'll see why not. In the Gemara. That's a little bit of a clue. Even if it's not a, 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 an eggshell, even if what you're putting it in is some sort of clay pot, you still can't do it. Rabbi Yehuda Matir. Rabbi says, I allow it. Sounds like Rabbi is Matir everything. But we'll see. Avol im chibra hayoitzer mitchilo. If you call Tzion or a handyman, you call a yotzer, you call a someone who is knows how to do this stuff, then it's mutter. He connects it. He connects the egg. He connects the the, the, the container. It isn't just slapdash. Mutter. Only if you're not because now it's become one kli. So we see what the problem was. The problem was, as we're going to see in Rashi now, that it was two kalim we're afraid you're going to look at as two different objects and you're going to take the oil away. Let's take a look. We're afraid that you're going to start taking oil out of it. 
וכיוון שהקצו ונער חי משום מחבר. I'm causing this flame, which would have burned longer, to burn less. So that's called a gram kibui. It's probably only the Rabbonon. I'm not sure if it's the Arais. It's a, it's a studio later on in the Mesechta. But it's like gram kibui. I'm now causing this thing to become extinguished earlier. So therefore, I'm chayiv mishum mechabe. Rashi says, sounds like it's midaraisa. But again, the Rishonim speak about this, whether it's Daraisa or not. But that's the issue over here. The issue is, is that once you set up this contraption, you're not going to see it as something to leave alone. In other words, if you call in the handyman and he, and he creates it as one object, because then, uh-oh, I'm not touching that. Just like we're not worried about you touching the, the, the flame normally, touching the oil in the flame normally. But if you've got this gerrymandered thing there, you're going to see it as something separate, and you're going to forget on Shabbos, and what you end up going to be doing is something called Gram Kibui. You're going to be Goreim, you're going to cause it to burn less, which is a sense of Kibui on Shabbos. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, similarly, Luyamali Odom Kara Shoshemen, It's not a a, a, a junky clay thing. It's not something that you made out of a, an egg. You basically just took a, a, a plate of oil and had the plate of oil. What you did was you ran the wick. In other words, imagine Aladdin's lamp, okay? So you have a candle. Um So Henry is asking, why would you want to take oil out? Um, we'll see in a minute. Part of it is that um, you, you'd want to take the oil out because, hey, I, I, want to put, I want to use this. It's in the egg. Hey, I can use some of this oil for the salad, right? There's always reasons to want to use oil to put on stuff, right? The oil is edible, so you might want to use it, even though it's supposed to be there to be part of the lamp, Okay. In the third case, he actually puts it in a plate, which is very, right? A plate is very uh, user-friendly. It's not like a, 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 a constricted eggshell. It's not like a disgusting clay piece of material that the oil is dripping in. You can't put it in it. So what do you do? You put, one, you put one, uh, one part of the wick is sticking out of the lamp. The other part of the wick is going through the lamp into into the plate of oil. And now you light it, so now you have this constant feeding from the plate, which is next to the lamp. You can't do that. The end of the wick shouldn't be in it. This way it actually draws the oil, it, it, it continues the fuel. Can't do that. Once again, Rabbi Yudah is matir. So we have three cases with the Machlokas Yehuda and the Chachomim. What do we need three cases for? Mitzricha. Diyashmin and Shvoferishol Beitza. Vokami Rabbonah. There the rabbis are worried. It's a nice, uh, hermetically sealed, beautiful egg with the oil in it. The Kivan, the Lomeisa, 
It's not disgusting to stick your hand in there and get some oil out of it. Oh, see, this tapuke, and it's just dripping. Yeah, let me move the egg away and use it for Caesar salad. Avo shocheres to me, so cheres is disgusting. Look, it's, it's, it's mixed in with clay. You're not going to use that for your salad. Even there, you might decide to take some. If you're going to say the case of cheres only, when it comes to an egg, maybe Yehuda's moda, that we should make a gzera. We should be worried that the person will do kibui. If you only tell me about the egg and the clay dish, Bani Kama Rabbi Huda, Mishom Delay Mifsik, right? Mishom Delay Mifsik. Because what's happening? Because, right? Rashi says, Delay Mifsik Mide, Shumunach Beto Chalal Haner, Lamaila Mikisli, right? Delay Mifsik. There's no separation. There's no separation because if you think about it, it's right on top of the Nair. So maybe there, that's why Rabbi Yudha says, okay, you see it as one object. Avokaro de Mipsiko. Why, says Rashi? It's not connected. It's true, the wick extends into the plate, but they're clearly two different objects. The Yeshkan Hepsik, the Lekalameimar, Gufeyu, it's all one contraption. So maybe there Yehuda should admit that it's a problem. And once again, he still says, I'm not worried about it. That's why you need all three cases. Interesting how Rabbi Yehuda is the makel here. He's been the machmer on the page before. Here he's the makel. But if you call the handyman and the handyman actually connects it from the beginning, then it's fine. Tana, the Bryce says, He didn't really connect it like a handyman, like a real worker. What you did was, you did it cheap. You had some lime, you had some other sort of like uh, grimy material, and you're sort of like connecting it. Tumara says, mutter? Why should that be mutter? That's not a handyman's job. A handyman would do a good job. He would make it into one thing. Banan, yotzer, tanan. Yotzer is a expert. My yotzer? It means kein yotzer. At least it's a good job. Shechibra shapir, says Rashi. That's what a balabayas does. He doesn't have the glue, the cement material. He just he uses the regular stuff around that it, it seems to be stuck, but it could probably come apart. That's good enough. You don't need to call the, the handy guy. You don't have to call the expert. As long as you've done it, sort of like an expert would do it, that would be good enough according to the Chachamim. Tanya Amarabiuda Pamachas Shivitainu Baliat Bait Nitzabalud. I remember there was a Shabbat that we were all in the Aliyah. Some say this was during a period Nebuch of persecution, that this is why they had to be up in the attic in Beit Nidza. And there were all these Chachamim there and they were worried about who knows what sort of Xerot the Romans were gonna do. They Lonu, and we were sitting there, all a bunch of us rabbis. I was a young man at the time, but I was lucky enough to be with my teachers, Rabbi Huda says. 
and they brought for us, in order for us to have, to do Hadloka Neirot upstairs in that Aliyah, Shvoferet Shobetza. They brought us the egg. So this way we'd have oil dripping in. And we put the oil in there. And we, 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 put the, we, we made the little crack in. We put the oil in. It was sitting there on top, dripping. And it was on Friday afternoon. And the great Rabbi Tarfon was there. And other great Zikainim. They let us, the young rabbis, the young teenagers or whatever they were, their 20s, 30s, they let us do it. They saw how we set up the light for Shabbos. They didn't say anything. So you see, Rabbi Yehuda says that, uh, I don't know why now I'm, I have to argue with you old guys, with all you people. I'm telling you a mice from the other door that they didn't think there was a reason to make a gzeri here. From the story of Beit Vitza. Shiny Beit Nitzah. You had the greatest rabbis there. They were there for a very important reason. They were there to, to work out the Takonas for Klal Yisrael. By the way, you might remember in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, it says that's where they decided about Yarag Val Yavar. That's where they decided which Averis you're supposed to give up your life or not. We're not talking about the, the little rascals who are up there. We're not talking about the three stooges. We're, talking, we're not talking about, you know, a bunch of guys playing football. We're talking about the great Chachomim of Klal Yisrael. There's reason, hey. There, for such people, there wouldn't be any reason to make a Gezerah for them. Our mission is not for them. So that's obviously a very shocking thing if you think about it, because it sounds like we can actually... Um, it sounds like that if, if, if you're from the Madrega of Zerizin, we don't make takonas on you. And we saw that before when it came to the Korban Pesach and other things you might remember. The Vesamitosh, that was a group that was Be'etzim Zoris. So the takonas don't apply. But now that we're out of that type of situation and you want to make a Mishnah and you want to teach the rest of Klal Yisrael, you got to be Machmer. Aben Sipoira, Goros Safsola, Baliosa Dishaisha, Okay, what happened there? There was a man called Abin Tsipora. He was from Tsipori. What did he do? What he did was he dragged a bench. We know there's a Machlekas, Rebut and Rebshimon, whether you can drag benches on Shabbos. Rebut says no, because when you drag a bench, most of the floors are made of earthen. Material. When you drag that bench, what's going to happen? You're going to make grooves in the earth. Grooves in the earth are a problem. That's like binyan. Can't do it. Shimon says, no, it's what? It's a it's a and miskavin. That's not your purpose here. Your purpose is to move the bench so people can sit at the table. Ah, you know it's made out of dirt. Who says it's going to happen? Definitely. That's the machlokas rebihud and rebshimon. So, abin sipoirug dragged the bench. But what was it? It was an upstairs area, but the floor was shaisha. The floor was made out of marble in front of Yitzhak ben Elozer. So he said, Rabbi Yitzhak ben Elozer says, you know what? You're dragging benches. You, we, we are against dragging benches, he says. Even if it's what? Even if you're dragging a bench on a marble floor. Because most people aren't rich with marble floors. So he said to him, If I would be quiet to you and not make a machah about what you just did, the same way Yehuda in Beit Nitzah 
No one said anything to him when he lit, when he created the contraption for the candle on Friday night. If I will be quiet like you, like they were, there's going to be a problem. Nafik minei churva. You're going to go say that you're allowed to do this. You're going to say to people, I did this in front of Yitzhak ben Elazar, and he said nothing. Because I don't want people dragging benches, even on marble floors. Because if people start dragging benches, because we are Yehudaniks. We don't want dragging of benches. And therefore, if people think they can drag, if people see you, they don't understand. They're going to drag benches everywhere. Once they drag benches on a normal floor, they're making grooves, and that's going to be a malacha, according to Rav Yudah. And I'm against that, therefore I have to say something to you. All right. Reish Kanishta de Batsra. We know where that is in Iraq, right? In Batsra. The Reish Kanishta of Batsra, he came to Eretz Yisrael. He was a big man. He was a Reish Kanishta. Yeah, he took care of the shul there. He was like the Rosh HaKal. What did he do? Gorer Sapsala, he did the same thing. But this was not on a, in a marble place. This was in front of in front of the great Rabirmi, the famous Rabirmi all over Shas. For some reason, Ravarin Hyman, I looked it up today and my told us I'm not sure why he was called Rabirmi Araba here. But he assumes this is the normal, the famous Rabirmi with Rabzeira, the one we always love hearing about. So the Reish Kanishta of Batsra, un, unnamed, we'll call him, I don't know, Yankel. So Yankel, the Reish Kanishta of Batsra, dragged the Safsal in front of Ravirmiya. So Ravirmiya said to him, I guess you must know how to learn. You got a job. You're the head of the yeshiva over there in, in Basra. Kiman, you must hold Kirav Shimon. You must hold Navak Yehuda. You must hold, you are allowed to drag chairs around. But Ravirmiya said to him, Rav Shimon gave his big kula because what are you going to do when you had to move a big chair or a sofa, say it to the Seder area, wherever it is? What are you going to do? You're not going to pick it up? You're not going to get a hernia? So therefore, over there, Rav Shimon says, look, you don't really mean to make a groove. It probably might not happen anyway. I'm going to be, allow you to drag the chair. But piktanim mi omar? You, that thing was weak. That thing was, wasn't heavy at all. Even if Shimon Bar Yochai was here himself, he would have picked it up and told people to pick it up. That's what Rav Yirmiya said. So Rav Yirmiya said that it was wrong what the Reish Kanishta did. He should have picked it up. This way, there's no Shiloh that there's not going to be any grooves in the floor. But that understanding of the Machlokas Yudin Rav Shimon Goes against Ula. The Yomer Ula, Machlekes Biktanim. The whole Machlekes is what? The Machlekes is where it's a small chair. That's where Shimon says, I don't care if it's a small chair. It's a, it's a double chain of Miskaven. You can even drag a small chair. I know you could have picked it up, but don't bother yourself with picking it up. You're allowed to drag it. Avo Bigdolim. If it's a big chair, even Yehuda would say it's Mutter. Even Yehuda, because it's not a psikresha. We know, right? So there, even Yehuda, who usually says is Asur, it's not Asur Menatayra. It's not considered a Malacha Menatayra. This is different than a Malacha Shenitzricha Lagufa. <laughs> this is where it's a Dabr Shenitzricha Miskavein. 
is going to be coming up, but we're going to be having that many times. This is a shot where he's not even, it's a, it's a, as we say in Yiddish, it's a felt in the It's not, you're not even planning on making grooves. It's, in other words, means you're not even planning to do malocha. Means I'm doing a malacha, but not for the reason why the Torah and the Mishkan it was done. I'm doing a malacha for a different reason. Whereas here, you're not even trying to do a malacha. You're trying to drag the thing to the table to sit down at the seder, whatever it is. So Yehuda holds its only every even Yehuda holds its only derabanan. And if it's a big, if it's a big chair, since there's no psikresha anyway. So here, you, even Yehuda would allow you to drag the thing on a wooden, on an earthen floor to the table. So on this, Mesa Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Shimon Aymer, here's Rabbi Shimon himself. I found the Brisa. Remember what I said on Friday? Rabbi Yosef, king of the Brisa, super memory man. What did he say when he had his memory? Rabbi Shimon Aymer, Geirer Adam, Mita, Kisei, Vesafso. Three things. Just don't have kavana. <laughs> in other words, don't think, oh, I'm getting grooves in the floor good, and I'm going to use it for the marble game afterwards. You can drag it. Just don't start thinking, hey, I'm making a groove, and I'm happy about that. Just say, well, don't feel groovy. So anyway, the point is, is you can drag it, and it gives you three examples. A bed, that's big. A kisei. I guess that's smaller. Safso, something in the middle. So what do you see? Ktani what? Three things. Ktani gdom, ktani ktanim. No matter how big it is. Koshu atarvayu. So it's a, it's a question against Ula and Rav Yirmiya. Both Ula and Yirmiya said that this machlokas, each one admits to something else. Yirmiya said that Shimon agrees if it's small. Ula said... Yehuda agrees if it's big. Here you see the machlokas says no matter what the size. Shimon allows it, and Yehuda disagrees. So let's see what will Ula and Yirmiya answer to Rabbi Yosef's question. Ula metaritz letaimei. Rabbi Yirmiya rabba metaritz letaimei. Ula metaritz Each one will answer with his own way, based on his shita, based on his approach. Ula metaritz letaimei. He'll say, look, there's three things mentioned there. I'm going to say the reason why it says mita, even though it's mentioned first, it isn't all types of beds. It's not the big bed of Henry VIII. Mita dumya de kise. It's a mita that's small. It's a small little bed. It's something you could have picked up. Aha. That's what Ula is saying. The Ula is saying that even there, Shimon disagrees. Aha. Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Mita Oh, when Shimon said kisei, he meant kisei dumia demita. That terrace fits in a little bit better. In other words, Shimon said mita to tell you anything big like a mita, a big giant easy chair. That's where I say you can drag it. But a small thing, that's what Yirmiya Rabbe held. Yirmiya held, you, even Shimon would say you should pick it up. All right, so therefore, Yosef's attack has been neutralized. But now we have another attack. Masiv Rabba, Rav Yosef's friend, Rabba had a question. What about from this Mishnah and Klein? It says, Meichre Ksus, Meichre Ksus, Meichren Kedarkon. 
ובלבד שלא יסכבים בכמה ממני החמה ובקשום ממני הקשומים. So let me explain what this means. The best way to sell something, those of you that remember Macy's store windows or uh, Gimbel's store windows or the Haynes store windows, is to put the piece of clothing on a mannequin, right? You put the suit on a mannequin and the guy walks by and says, wow, that could be me. Oh, that looks great. I, I think I'll go in the store and get one of those. The way people used to sell clothing was they would be their own mannequins. They'd walk around with the clothing on them. And this way, somebody, oh, you're about my size. I bet you I'd look so good in your clothes. So let's say there's somebody, a Jewish guy. Let's call him, yeah, let's call him Yankel. And he's going into Echmeis Kenilworth to sell some stuff to the Goyim there. And he's going in over there and he's coming in there. He's a peddler selling his clothes. But the way he sells his clothes is he's his own model. And he's got shotness clothes that he's selling. You're allowed to sell shotness to a guy. So he's got he's got the he's got the Yves Saint Laurent suit. He's got the uh, he's got not the Isaac Mizrahi, but maybe he's got that one too. And it's shotness, and he's selling it to the goyim. So the mission is selling you. You can do it. Walk around and, and, and wear it, but don't have kavana. Don't say, I'm wearing it because, oh, this linen suit, oh boy, I feel so cool in it, right? Or it's a good thing I'm wearing this, I'm happy I'm wearing this this way, I'm not cold. So in other words, don't have kavana that you're wearing it to make you feel good or to protect you as clothing. Always do it, because why are you wearing it? Maybe wear underneath your regular clothes, but this is only to be the mannequin to sell it. So here you are doing basically the Aveir of Shatnes, of Los Silbash Klayim, but it's a Dovashen of Miskavin. Your purpose of putting it on is to make money. It's not to wear it because you need it. You've got another item of clothing underneath. So as long as you don't have intention that, oh, I'm happy I've got this second thing of clothing on. I'm happy the way I'm dressed because it's protecting me from the rain up in Kenilworth. You're all right. However, Hatsnuin, the Frum people, you know what they do? Mafshivan b'makil achureyan. They, maybe they don't got a mannequin, but they put it, they hang it as neatly as they can on a, on a, on a uh, staff, and they walk behind them, like Johnny Appleseed, but what's behind them, it's not their, it's not their food, it's, it's the suit that's hanging up. And that's good enough, the clothing is hanging up, because they don't even want to go into the shash of wearing shotmes. So Lachora, that obviously is Rav Shimon, this Mishnah. Because it can't be Rav Yehuda. According to Rav Yehuda, this would be Osir, because it's a Dovashem, a Dovashem Miskam, which would be Osir. So Lachora, Ho'echsher, Ho'cha De'epsher, Le'mebekitznuin. Everybody could, could, could be from, everybody should be willing to, 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 to put it on. All the clothes sellers should be willing to, to have the, to, to hang it on the beam that's hanging behind them. That's similar to what Yermia said, that even Shimon says, if you can pick up the chair, you should move it that way. You shouldn't drag it. Isn't that like Kiktanim Dami? And therefore, still, Shimon says, even though I know you have an Eitzah, I'm not worried. Since you're not even having Kavana to want it to wear it as clothing, but only as a means of merchandise to sell, Shari Rab Shimon, not just Bidiyev, but Katrila. That shows that Rabbi Yirmi's Chumra was wrong. 
Tiyufta the Rabirmi Araba Tiyufta. And Rav Shimon, and therefore, again, that's the parallel. The same way Yirmiya said, Shimon would tell you to pick that little chair up. Then why, if that's true, why wouldn't Shimon tell everybody to put it on the pole? Shimon should tell everyone who's selling shotness in Kenilworth to put it on the pole, not to wear it. That shows you that Shimon allows it 100%, even if it's small. That shows that Ula is right, not Rav Yirmiya, and that's why it's a Tiyufta. I want to get to the next thing here, but I see we might have a comment. Let's take a look. No. Here we go. <laughs> You're worried about the Nochrim seeing. You're worried about the Parthians. Rashi says, You're worried about the Parthians, neo-assassinants. We had this about Hanukkah all the time, right? That's why That's why we saw it was Shasakona. Rashi said the same thing. But if you're worried about that happening, that they don't allow any flames. So you've got fire in your house. It's on Shabbat. But all of a sudden, they've declared a Parthian Yontif. Uh-oh, you didn't know about it when you lit it, that it was a Parthian Yontif today. And they're going to be looking around. And who knows what they're going to do when they break into the house? Who knows what they're going to do? So you're allowed to extinguish the flame. Or what are you afraid of? <laughs> you're afraid that you live in with a bunch of hooligans. If they see flame in the house, oh, the Jews are home, they got the silverware out, we're going to break in there, and they're going to kill you. Maybe. They're going to come in armed. What's that? You got a mental problem. Something's wrong. You don't got the, your, your meds with you. And you know what? Says Rashi, I need to be in the dark. I can't be in the light. There's something wrong with me. I, I got to do it. I got to do it. Now, let me explain something. The Malacha of Kibui. <laughs> might be Elizabeth too. I'm not sure. But anyway, the Malacha uh, of, of Kibui is... I want to make a I want to make a coal. What's the baloch of kibui the way it was set up in the Mishkan? The idea is is that you 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 light the coals originally and then you extinguish it, like we saw with the machlokas earlier about hivava about singeing it. Coals are similar; they burn better when you extinguish them and use them the second time around. So it's not, but the fact that you don't want the fire there, that's a malacha shenitzrichalagufa. The reason why they did kibui, the reason why they did the malacha called kibui in the Mishkan was in order to have good working coals. And so therefore they would light it and then specifically extinguish it in order to have a good working coal afterwards. So here, all the reasons that are mentioned in the Mishnah it's not because you want to get coals. It's not because you want it to work better the next time. It's because you don't want the light now. In all those cases, normally we might have been machmir and said, well, it's a malachat Maybe we shouldn't be mako, especially according to Rav Yehuda, but over here we're going to allow it. Here you're putter. But let's say you're, not, you're just cheap. You don't want the you don't want the the fire to ruin the container. You don't want all the oil to be wasted. You want to use the wick again. Well, that's exactly what kibui is about. That's chayiv. Rabbiosi poter bekulon. Rabbiosi says those cases you just said, I don't think are considered a malacha. The last one, yes. 
the, the idea of the psila, where you don't want the psila to burn, that's basically the malach of kibui. Because you're trying to, un, you, want it, you want to extinguish it because you want it to be better the next time. As Rashi says here, bikibui zeh. That is the malach atzrich lagufa. Let's see the next Gemara. It's really worthwhile. As I said, we have a couple more minutes. Let's go to the next tomorrow's daf. Um, here we are. Miniktoni seif achayiv. From the fact that seif says your chayiv at the end when you want to make a psila or kachos halaner. That's Rabbi Yudahod's that what? Is Chayev. Remember, he's doing Kibwe, but not for the reason in the Mishkan. And the Mishkan was done for a positive reason. Here it's to take away the negative. Here it's because he doesn't want it to burn out because he's cheap. That's called the Malachah Shetzirah but according to Yudah, he'll still be Chayev. That's what the Sefer says. But What's the Reisha talking about? Then why should if, if talking about a chayla if, if 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 the guy doesn't have he's he's got this mental illness that will maybe kill himself if he has the light on or whatever it is or or, or, or he's ill and he and he, and he, and he can't the, the light is really bothering to the point that he might fall into a coma whatever it is mutter mi it shouldn't be potter if it's a chayla shem sakana it's just he doesn't feel good. Unfortunately, in that case, it's a malachim and atayra. It's a malachim and atayra, and Chazal don't allow it, even though you're sick. Chazal only allowed the rabbonans. Chazal don't allow malachas and atayra. It's not a sakana. And therefore, unfortunately, even though you thought you were right in what you were doing, chayev chatas mivoyle. You'd be chayev chatas in that case. You wouldn't be potter. So, in all the cases in the Reisha, it was a danger of sakana. With the robbers, with with, with the with the with the priests, it was mamish All of these cases were sakana, but if they were sakana, it shouldn't say potter, say mutter. Obedinu do this name mutter, but the the boy with misne seifa chayiv toninami reisha potter. Since in the seifa we want to tell you chayiv like Rabbi Yehuda, because it's a melachah and the trichulagufa, and we want to use the word chayiv for symmetry, because the mishnayos were all. Remember, the Mishnahis were all memorized about Peh. That's why in the ratio we said Potter. But really, it's Mutter. But Atani Raboshia, in Bishwila Chayla Shayishan, Loy Yechabe, Vim Kiba Potter, Avil Osser. What about Raboshia? Raboshia, his Brises are very good. His Brises are authoritative, usually. Let's see Raboshia's Brises. Isn't Raboshia's Brisa like a cousin or, or, or basically like our Mishnah? A cousin meaning it's like a version of our Mishnah. And what was Raboshia's Brisa? If it's for the Chayla to be able to fall asleep, if he doesn't get sleep, right? Still don't do it. But if you do it, Pater Avalosser. That sounds like even according to Yehuda, you're not Chayev. The Mar says, no, no. That's not a chayla sheyesh pay sakana. A chayla sheyesh pay sakana, that's our Mishnah, and that's mutter. That brisa is not a cousin of our Mishnah. It's a different case. It's a chayla who isn't in a sakana if he doesn't get sleep. It's just going to bother him. And over there, it's Rav Shimon. 
And Rav Shimon would say, you're not chayav achatis because it's a mochach shtikulagufa because you're not trying to create a full, you're not trying to make it better for the next time. You're extinguishing the flame because you just don't want it because you want to be, it's bothering you. Now, we, it's now been an hour. I want to ask you if you want, there's a very beautiful piece of Gemara coming up. Um, I'm going to ask the participants. I'm going to ask everybody if you want, if you want, if you want to hear. There's a very beautiful piece of Gemara. It's going to take another 15, 20 minutes. Does everybody want to hear this piece of Gemara? If not, we can save it for tomorrow. So, so tell, okay, I'm gonna. I'm good either way. You're good either way? Okay. It's a very beautiful piece of Gemara. Um, I'm going to try to do it well. But it's a beautiful and it's a good Shabbos Hagod Odrosha piece of Gemara if you want. Okay? So we're just going to go a couple more minutes for this beautiful piece of Gemara. All right? Here we go. They asked the Shaila to Reb Tanchum. It was a very important Shaila. It was Halacha Shaila. What was it? The man is sick. He's Beisha. He's not well. Are you allowed to extinguish a flame? Well, of course, we just saw in the Mishnah, the Breitah. But this question was asked to Reb Tanchum. Reb Tanchum. And Reb Tanchum says, I'm making a drosh out of this, my friends. I've been asked this question. And as Rashi says, he called everybody to come, men and women and children. He made a big speech out of it. And this is the style of the drush of Chazal. And he's going to get to his point at the end. But first, he's going to start with something. He's going to open up this picture. The question is the value of human life. The man is sick. It's Shabbos. Should we extinguish the flame? This is the way he began his drosha. Ant. Shlomo, Shlomo Amelech, An Chochmascha, where's your wisdom? An Suchla Sanucha Secha, where's your understanding, your Seichel? Lo Dayecha, Shedvarecha, Sosrin, Divrei David Avicha. Not only do you contradict David, your father, El Shedvarecha, Sosrin, Zezeh, you contradict yourself. This is the way, the dramatic way that Rav Tanchum started his Drasha. Why? David Avicha Omar, what did David say? We say in Hallel's. The dead cannot praise God. What did you say in Kohelis? I praise the dead. More than the ones that are alive. You're against your father. But then you're against yourself. Then you said, Then you talked about being alive as a dog is better than being a, a dead lion. So Rabbi Tanchum says, what's going on with this great, tremendous, the, the great wisdom of Solomon, the, the smartest person alive? How could he contradict himself and contradict his father? So Lokasha. My friends, Rabbi Tanchum says, this is not difficult. Let's deal with the questions again. What did David mean when he said that the dead will not praise God? He meant like this. 
If you know Nebuch that there's death around, there's death, there's a Magaifa, you know what you're supposed to do? It's out there. We pray and we daven, but do mitzvahs, do as many mitzvahs as you can. You're not going to have any Torah mitzvahs after you die. Do as many mitzvahs as you can now. God is still praised whatever mitzvahs you can do now while you are alive. What did David HaMelech mean when he said, Freedom. That's the Chofesh of Torah and Mitzvahs. You want to have that oil. We want to be Avdei Hashem. We want to try to Makayim every Mitzvah we can for as long as it's possible. That's what David meant when he said, You know what he means? He doesn't mean that I I praise the dead who are gone out of this world. Of course, Shlomo agreed with everything his father taught him and his father held, that as as long as you're alive in this world, do as many mitzvahs as you can. But we're talking about something that happened in history. When Chal Yisrael did the Chet Egel, the greatest tzaddik in the world was their defender. He davened. He, he did tfilot. He made deals. He begged. But it still didn't work. Hashem was ready to destroy Klal Yisrael. But Keshe'omar, when he said, When he mentioned those people that weren't even alive, that were no Yomamas, when he mentioned them, nene. <laughs> Then Hashem says, okay, you, 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 you invoke the big three, you invoke the Avos, I will be mocha them. V'lo yofa, Omer Shlomo, isn't it beautiful Shlomo said? That's what he meant. Rav Tanchum was getting rolling. He was rolling, baby. He had another pshat. I'll tell you another pshat of what Shlomo meant. Mostly, Sar Basar Badam, Gozer Gzeira, Trump, whoever it is, he makes a rule. Suffolk Mekaymane say, Suffolk ain't Mekaymane say. Maybe you keep it, maybe you don't. CDC, yes, CDC, no. <laughs> if you're going to say you're going to fulfill it, when are you going to fulfill the rules? Yeah, as long as he's alive. As if the king's alive, as long as he's president. Bechayiv Mekaymane so. Moshe Rabbeinu came up with Xera to learn to have Kriyas Hatayra. It was Xera Moshe Rabbeinu came up with. He had Dinim Derabana that Moshe and his Bezdin came up with. We're still keeping him. We're still keeping him. We can't do Kriyas Hatayra Nebuch because of Pikuach Nebuch. But we're still keeping him. Kayem Mizayim Lo'olim Lo'omei Elamim. Look what dead people are able to do. We're still keeping the Takonis from Meshach Rabbeinu, from Ezra, from Shlomo. Those people are gone. They're not in this world anymore. And we're keeping them strong. Then he had a third shot. Rav Tanchum's on a roll. Like the great Yehuda said the name of Rav. Then Rav Yudam Rav. What does the Pasik say? 
The Pesach said, David HaMelech said, David HaMelech said, God, I have a lot of enemies. There's people who don't like me. I'm, I'm a certain type of personality. I'm a certain type of emotional, strong-willed personality. I love Claudia Yisrael, but there are people who don't like me, people who feel that I push Shoal out. There's people who still believe Shoal was the better king. They believe I was wrong. There's, and they know about the story about me and Batsheva. And therefore, they keep on saying Lashon Har about me. So do something to show me. Do something to show that I'm okay. I don't want people hating me and hating what I stand for. I've got a lot of good I want to give to the world. Be, show everybody that you're meichel me for this Aveir of Batsheva. You've done tshuva. Oh, my Lord, he said, I say me os bechayai. Show a sign. Like we say, ososomovsim in Mitzrayim. Show me a sign. There's a chat here I want to get to. Um, okay. So you want to stop over here? Okay. What's how many people we still got? Okay. We're almost finished over here. Okay. Show me a sign, he said. Okay, what was the sign? He said, show me a sign. I'm not going to show you a sign now. I'll show you a sign after you're gone. After you're gone, there'll be a sign. He wanted to bring the Aaron in, the ultimate moment. Get the Aaron from where it was, bring it into the new Beis Amikdosh, and the Beis Kotche Kotche, and the Shalom HaMelech built. But Dovku Sharim Zebezeh, the Sharim locked. They wouldn't open. Amr Shlomo Esther He did the most amazing tefillah with Shevach, tefillah, Rina, 24 different Lashonis. God didn't answer. Pasach V'yomar. Then he said the famous capital until him that we say on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, "Su Shor Mosheichem v'Nosu Pischei Olam." Mosheichem, pick up your gates, lift them up, your gates v'Nosu Pischei Olam. Those gates should lift up to let the Yavo Melech Hakovod. So Shlomo Melech, of course, meant the Aron that represents God should go into the Beis Hamikdash, <laughs> but they thought he was talking about himself. Rohatu Basrei Lemivlier. They wanted to swallow him. They ran after him to, 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 to swallow Shlomo up. Those gates took on a life of their own to attack Shlomo. Umru, they said, Me who's Melachakavod. You're the Melachakavod because of you? You think we should open for you? Who are you? You're glorious? Umru, Shlomo said back to the gates. Adonai, Izuz Vigibor. No, God is great. I didn't mean me. Let me say that again. Uh, let, let me repeat it. You got me wrong. But you know who he is? I didn't mean myself, of course. Just like you said, Even so, Lonena, they still weren't ready to open to allow the Aron in. But then he said, God, Hashem Elokim, don't Put away the face of the your anointed one. 
the one who, this was his glorious dream to have a Beis HaMikdosh. Remember David, who is the pure, your pure servant. Miyad, Nen. Right then, the gates opened when he said David. When he invoked David, the gates opened. But Osashah, Nepchu, Penei, Kol, Sonei, David, Kishulei, Kedera. <laughs> All the people thought David was, wasn't was a tzaddik. Their faces turned black. Their faces were embarrassed. The, they said, oh, it's David. It's not for Shlomo. It's because of David HaMelech that we have HaKadosh Baruch Hu showing his shechina by allowing the Aaron in. V'yedu kol ha'am. V'chol Yisrael shemochol HaKadosh Baruch Hu Therefore, Rapanchum says, Lo Yofomer Shlomo Din isn't Shlomo right when he says, Shibachaniyas Hamesim, Shekvar Mesu? His father, the schus of his father, he did everything he could, but his father's schus was able to save him. So I see it's getting late here. I think we're gonna um I think we're gonna finish this Joshua tomorrow. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay? It's not over. We're gonna we're in the middle of the Joshua, we'll finish it tomorrow from this spot. I think that makes the most sense. So, uh, I'm going to... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.